Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Worst that can happen is I can spill, spill some on my $3,000 suit. Come on! Welcome to Conversations About Collaboration, Episode 4. Today, renowned productivity expert Mike Vardy joins me to talk about leadership, collaboration, and setting norms. Oh, and Henry David Thoreau and Larry David show up in our conversation. Let's go! Mike, where does this podcast find you? This podcast finds me in Victoria, British Columbia, uh, working at Productivityist HQ in my office, as I usually do, uh, working on plans to help people craft their time uh, in both times of certainty, but mostly uncertainty. Good thing we don't have much of that, right? (laughs) Exactly. So more than any other person I know, you get it, right? You use technology to make yourself more productive, to make yourself more collaborative, but it can be a challenge getting everyone on the same page. Let's get right into it. Am am I completely off base here? Are are most people not not fundamentally uncollaborative, but just struggling with maybe the number of tools? I mean, why is it that people, why are more people like us? Because most people get overwhelmed by the number of choices that they have, right? Um, So that's one of the things is, I mean, in the space, I mean, I've been in the productivity space for well over a decade now. And then, I mean, there are so many apps. You and I have had this conversation before where there are apps that I mentioned that you're like, what is that app? I've never heard of it. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a big market for different applications, both to-do list, project management, communication, you name it. Um, so that's one area. But then the other area, if you're working in, a, in an enterprise or a larger business, is that there's a lack of um, nimbleness, I guess, would be the best way to put it. So, uh, you know, uh, some... Some large company is is stuck in using Microsoft Project because that's what they know, or worse, they uh, which is hard to say really because Microsoft Project is 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 not exactly the greatest tool in the world in general. But worse is that they don't let them use any tool for project management or to do list application, and they say, well, we can just do this through email or through IM. So it be it, it's either there's I, I call I call this in my work the Goldilocks factor when I'm asking when I'm helping someone choose a tool or choose a modality to work in or whenever they're making a choice. Like if it's, if it's too hard, if it's, you know, like the, the, the bed was too hard, the bed was too soft, the bed was just right. If it's too hard, it means it's too narrow. So if the choices are too narrow, then it doesn't leave room for flexibility. And then ultimately you run into roadblocks there. If it's too soft, then there's too many choices. And then you never really make any measured progress because you're busy, you know, kind of working independently together and together independently, but really there's no togetherness happening. So you want to find that just right. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you all are using one to-do list application, um, and that's that's what it is. It could be that, okay, everything gets centralized in a tool like, say, uh, Asana or Teamwork, but you also give people the flexibility to be able to use their own tools and kind of migrate between them or at least check in. So I think that's the biggest problem is that there's so many tools that people get stuck trying to pick one, and then conversely, some have already chosen one, and then that's the tool, and that's what we use, and too bad, so sad. All right. Let me challenge you a little bit on that. So you're advocating for some level of choice. 
Yes. Here's the problem. Let's say I work in marketing, you work in sales. We use Asana, you use Trello, mm-hmm. right? It becomes a pissing contest, right? Isn't Couldn't I make the argument that an organization should basically pick a lane? Uh, yes. And I think that argument is more valid now than ever before because the tools are better than ever before. But the problem a lot of us face is that organizations are multifaceted, run by multi-generational people. So for example, I've worked with clients before who they're like, we really want to get into a sauna, let's say. And uh, that's great. But then the CEO is still emailing tasks like crazy and not getting into a sauna, right? So there are these outliers. And whenever I'm working with a company, I often try to get them to pick a lane. Like, hey, you know, I mean, Trello and Asana are good examples because Asana now has the board's capability that Trello's had forever. So now you could argue that you could pick one, right? Whereas a design team before was like, well, I, we, Asana's all lists. We, it's very difficult for us to use it. We like to work in this Kanban agile style of, of work, whereas Asana didn't allow for that. Now that that's there, it's, it's possible. So when I work with teams, I often say, if you're going to pick it doesn't even technically matter the tool that you pick. It's more about having a set of guidelines or directives around the tool. So for example, um, if they're using a tool like Asana and let's say they want people want to personalize it, um, then maybe what they should do is put their initials before the tags that they use. So that, that way, if Phil Simon is using a tag in Asana, it says PS admin as opposed to MV admin, which means I can look at my Asana tasks and go, oh, these are all my admin tasks. These are tasks I've classified as admin, whereas the ones you've classified as admin would have your initials in front of it. So you create what I call a team task management charter, which you could also use for communication um, when you create communication silos. So for example, email is only for external communication. You don't use it internally. That's where Slack or Twist or any of the other wide variety of <laughs> internal communication tools that you can use. Um, but then if it's a if it's a communication around a task that already exists, then you use the conversation side inside of Asana or you use the commenting area inside of Trello. So you create some guidelines for people to follow, which still gives some flexibility. And that's why it is to so your pushback is valid because if a company chooses it, chooses a lane, it's up to them to paint the shoulders and decide what the rules of the road are. So that way people know they're not driving all over the place. We're like, okay, yes, we're going to use Trello. Here's how you can use Trello best in your environment so that we're all kind of on the same page working together in this app, but also have some personalization and customization for our needs inside of it. I didn't even know that you could do the tags in uh, Asana, but it's an interesting idea. And I've used Basecamp, I've used Trello, I've used a couple of other similar tools. and they're flexible, but isn't the flexibility sometimes both a blessing and a curse? It, it is, which is why, again, you've got to find that just right. So um, I'll give you a great example uh, about tagging. Tagging is the most undervalued and underused aspect of any of these tools. Metadata, ta- baby. <clears throat> That's right, because you can personalize it. You can make it what you need it to be. So projects are objective, right? Like we are working on this project and it's very, we know that there's an outcome that is ultimately designed that all these teams are working towards. But how we approach it is subjective, right? So if you and I are working on a project together that involves, say, using a lot of spreadsheets, and you're amazing at using Microsoft Excel. Like for you, it's like a walk in the park, right? But for me, I'm like, macros, I you know, okay, I know A plus B equals sum. I can kind of do it. So 
the tag for you might just be Excel. Like, oh, I got to go into Excel and do all this stuff. Whereas for me, I might have to say in my task, go into Excel and work on this spreadsheet. But my tag would be high energy or full focus because that's what I need to be able to do that job properly. So tagging allows the subjectivity inside of any tool that you use. So project management, task management, even communication tools have these implementations built into them. I use an email app called Front that has tagging built into it. Uh, Mac OS had the tags put into it that a lot of people don't use because like, I don't know what it's for. It's so you can easily classify and identify that way because tags is a great way to search. So I would say that's the number one thing. If you're running an organization and you want to get everybody using the same tool, but using it the way that they think they can use it best for them, Pick one that has tagging and then show them how tagging can make that tool work better for them. Allow them to work subjectively towards the objectives that your team and your company are setting. You ever read Everything is Miscellaneous by David Weingartner? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. It's a book about classification systems and metadata because you're right. I don't use front. I know you're a big fan, but let's say I use Gmail. I can apply multiple tags. Right. Let me throw, you know, Larry David, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me. I don't know him pers- I don't know him personally, but oh. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> let me throw a scenario at you that's very kind of technology meets curb your enthusiasm. I got into it with someone in a Slack workspace because that person had posted the same message in multiple channels, and you know that if you pick a channel, right, you can use tags. But if you're not a member of the channel, then you won't see it. Right. Uh, before I tell you how I came out on it, what's your thought on that? Okay, so I've actually done that before, uh, where I've had to where I've posted it both in like the general announcement kind of uh, channel, but then the very specialized channel as well. Mm-hmm. So I think fundamentally, when I see something like that, and as soon as I did it, I realized, okay, why do I have this bottleneck here? Why do I need to put it in two places? And it was because people weren't invited to those channels immediately. So there's a couple ways I would approach this. Number one, and this is, again, right from the front end. Whenever you're doing something, I try to be as proactive as possible. So what I did was I allowed when people join that workspace, and this is for my membership community, Time Crafting Trust. So just to be fully transparent, that's what it was for. It was about a, a biweekly breakout session that we do. So that was in the uh, biweekly breakout channel, but I also made a general announcement for those who weren't in the session, uh, who weren't in that channel. And I thought, okay, well, the best case scenario for me to reduce this redundancy is to put the onus back on the user. So I'm going to invite everybody to every channel because all the channels that I have are public. I, you can do direct messaging and independent messaging with people that, but all those channels for me all can go to everyone. It's not like I have different teams for different things, right? And then I can instruct them. If you don't want to be part of these channels, you can, you can leave the channel and here's how you do that. Right. So making them have the putting the onus on them. Now, in a different environment, let's say you're to your point about the marketing team and the sales team, right? And they they have two separate channels, let's say. Um, I would that's where I think redundancy can be okay, where you put it on the team if it's something the team needs to know about, but then you add more context and more layers into the very specific channel that's for that particular team. Um, or whatever. If it's related to a project though, or a task, I wouldn't even be putting it in Slack. I'd be putting it in the tool that has the project in it because that's where they are, right? So that's where I would put that. But if it's just based on communication, that's where I would do it because otherwise 
the old habit that would die hard would be email. So right. I'd rather have it happening in Slack than in email for a, a myriad of reasons. But again, yeah, it, it's always, I think the thing is you always have to, when you make a choice and you find the bottleneck, like this discussion you have with someone that shows up, it's like, how do I, is there a way to prevent that from happening again as much as possible? Maybe not all of it, but as much of it as possible. And, and there's always a way, but again, most people don't want to take the time to take a step back and go, all right, let me critically think about this instead of like, oh, whatever, I'll just deal with it next time. Right. So I put out an anonymous poll in the Slack workspace and 40% of the people said no problem with posting, most, posting in multiple channels. 40% of the people said how gauche. 20% of the people said, eh. Yeah. So it is interesting though, because if you go back to email, we, we've codified those rules for a quarter century. Right, we know when you're supposed to BCC someone. I think I've introduced you to people. You've introduced me to people. Yep. We know the etiquette, but to the extent that you know, even Slack and Teams and Zoom have their roots in IRC back to 1988, there still is an evolving set of norms that you know certainly isn't universal. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is an exciting time where you can create some of those rules and some of those th- those pieces of etiquette um, using. Uh, you know, timelessness components of it. So for example, email, like you said, like email was designed to replace like letter mail, right? Like it really wasn't designed to replace the facts. You could argue maybe, but I would say instant messaging was more like the, the, the next closest step. So Slack to me is more of an instant messaging tool, whereas email is more of a, hey, I'm going to send you some important information, take some time to read it and then make a thoughtful response. But the problem is that email came along before instant messaging, right? So now everyone's like, okay, that's why you get those uh, thanks email responses to things. Now, some people love those because it, it closes a loop, but others are like, you just added another email to my inbox, right? So again, you could get that 40% that say, wow, that's really courteous of you to close the loop. The other 40% like, man, you just added something and the other 20 like, well, whatever, I'm just going to archive it anyway. So this is a time where you can create those and if you create those kind of norms or mores if you want but if you're in an organization you definitely have that capability because number one there's no shortage of tools so you can decide what tool and then get good at the tool and figure out how you can leverage it and then number two um kind of get people to treat these um silos better so if you start to treat email better in the workspace by virtue you should, it becomes a way of operating. You should start to treat it differently outside of the workspace, right? So you may not email, you may not instant message someone something that they don't really need to respond to right away. So you would email them. Um, and, and actually, this is really fascinating. Is my mother-in-law, who is, who is, you know, she's retired. Her text messages are emails. Hmm. They are miles long <laughs> and miles deep. And that's not where that should be. So you know how we're teaching her not to do that? We just don't respond. We just don't, no, 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 we just don't respond. She goes, did you get my text? I'm like, you mean, mean, we've said like, those texts are like emails. Like if it's something that long, could you send it an email? And the first, you have to retrain, right? Um, And that's that's something that you're going to have to, because when you bring on tools, and I've worked with a lot of organizations, there's always one, at least one person that either bucks the trend intentionally or unintentionally. Like David will always send an email, even though it's supposed to be in, in Asana. Like, and, then, and then it's up to 
not just the leadership, but even the colleagues to go, yes. hey man, come on, yeah. right? Because because then it, then it's the tribe men, you know, the idea of the colleagues are doing it too. So it's not just the boss, it's everybody, right? And and that you're, because you're always going to have that. The problem it often lies is when it's the leadership person. I've had that happen too, where I get, I've gotten, uh, you know, engagements to go into work with a company. And I said, you need to be sure the one that you, you, that you do this. And then they don't. And of course it trickles down from the top. So all of a sure. sudden, I basically say, thank you for your, your money. <laughs> but, and here's the lessons I've taught you. You know, I can only do so much, right? So it's a culture thing. Yeah. Well, if you've got a team of eight or nine people and you add a new person and that person starts emailing versus using Teams or Discord or whatever, mm-hmm. then you can say, hey, you know, I don't know how they did it in your old job or your old department, but here's how we do it here. That's why you have a charter. That's why you have that team task management charter. As soon as it should be part of the onboarding process. Hey, here's the, I, I did a webinar for Skillshare for Teams not too long ago. And they, I said, you need to create these charters. One for maybe you have one for communication, and this is what the rules are. Hey, Slack is for this, email is for this. Like you have those rules, and it's part of the onboarding process. Um, there's a book by Chip and Dan Heath called The Power of Moments. I don't know if you've read it. Not that one. I've read a couple of their other ones though. So, so they talk about at the beginning the the first day on the job at John Deere. And I'm not going to go into great detail, but it's a really interesting story about the first day and basically what it looks like is you end up. Uh, the person at the end of the day feels like this is the most amazing job I could ever have. Like I'm being treated amazingly well because the onboarding is so good. So that moment, they'll remember that moment. So if you create a great onboarding experience, which will evolve because there will be new tools, new implementations, all these things, but you need to nip it in the bud at the beginning. You need to get in front of it. And that's why when I talk about productivity, it's not about efficiency and effectiveness. Those are byproducts. It's about intention and attention. What is your intention? How are you going to pay attention? My intention is to get people to make sure that they communicate using the proper tools. Okay, how are you going to pay attention to that? How are you going to make that happen? Well, if I create a SOP that says, this is what we do, then I've paid attention to it. Then, you're, it's, there, obviously, there's going to be some adaptability and evolution. But if you've done everything up front to make that work, then you can better isolate the problems that exist within it. Because maybe the problem is something you've done, but maybe the problem is not the right person. Or maybe they're just not, like that kind of stuff shows up, but only if you do the front end work. Mm -hmm. Now I'm with you. I think far too often we poo-poo people go, oh, he's just an email person. Well, there actually is an impact regardless of whether the person's senior because you're almost placating that person or allowing that person to communicate differently. And it's not too long before someone goes, well, hey, how come the different rules apply to that person versus me? And before you know it, you've got eight different mediums and you're trying to find a status report or whatever, right? And I hate yep. to be dictatorial about it, but to me, that should be a terminable offense. Not once I made a mistake, but if you routinely ignore the norms, this stuff matters. And it becomes routine. <laughs> if you routinely ignore it, it becomes the new routine. And then, and then it's harder to dig your way out of it. It's, so get in front of it. And it takes, it takes perseverance. And it, it, all those soft skills that leaders need, that's what it takes. The hard skill, I mean, anybody that, that spends enough time watching um, YouTube videos or going through uh, you know, um, app manuals and tutorials can wrap their head around these. I mean, even at a bit, but it's the will power and the perseverance and all those soft skills that come with wisdom and experience and 
those things are the things you need when you start to put these things, when, when you start to use the tools, because it's, what's that Thoreau phrase? Men have become the tools of their tools. That's what, because the tools aren't designed initially for you. They're designed for what the, the tool maker wants to get out of the tool from you, right? So it's designed for like, when you first sign up for Todoist, as an example, all of the projects listed are, they give you like sample projects and sample tags or labels or whatever. That's a problem if you don't get in front of that and you just leave it that way, right? Because then you're using the tool the way they've designed it to be used for the general public. You need to personalize it. And that's the only way you can collaborate properly is if you recognize everybody's uniqueness within that collaboration, whether that's collaborative environment, whether that's they're tech savvy or they're kind of Luddites, in which case then you need, then you're going to have to, you know, figure out how to get those people who are less inclined to be tech savvy. How do you get them to buy in? Maybe they're not going to, maybe you're just going to say, Hey, listen, don't worry about projects, just tag everything. And that way you can see everything in one big list and just look at tags. Often it just takes one like aha moment for that to click for anybody. So that's what leadership, leadership is not about like, there's a difference between management and leadership, right? And that would be a classic example. Bringing the tools on board is only going to take you so far. I'm going to go on a limb here. First podcast in the history of the world to mention Larry David Thoreau and Todoist, baby. <laughs> Probably right. Unless unless mine comes out first, because uh, I got to figure out a Larry David in word for it. But yeah, <laughs> I Damn it. totally well, see this that. This comes out soon. I'll get you out of here on this. What are you currently reading? Uh, I just finished reading Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights book. It is not what you would expect. Um, I'm raving about it uh, because the people that he, he's done the podcast circuit, he's been on Tim Ferriss, all the ones that, you know, it, it, it's not a typical memoir. I really liked it. And I love the audible version because he basically like, it's a story. I, I listened to it in one sitting. Like I was able to, I had a, over a weekend, I just listened to it, uh, and it was phenomenal. So it's not. There's a lot of great wisdom, like little w- pieces of wisdom in it. I think it's worth picking up. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for listening to conversations about collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not? Please download, like, or subscribe. Merci, gracias, obrigado to the producer of this podcast podcastedition.com. You guys rock. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.